and welcome back to an impromptu edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, my name is Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Um, I say impromptu because, you know, it's a weird week. It's a Thursday game. I was like, eh, do I want to put up a, a midweek podcast? It may not have a long shelf life. But I thought, well, look, I didn't really talk about the Giants in my uh, recap game with Fred Smoot, where we talked a lot about what what was wrong with the defense, what we think about uh, going from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Taylor Heineke, and a whole bunch more with the always entertaining Fred Smoot. I, so I decided, what can I do here for the Giants game? And I'm on Twitter. You know I like to do that, at Ben Standig. And I, I put up a Taylor Heineke, my, my, my new Taylor Heineke article, wrote, this mo- or wrote last night, it was published this morning, about, you know, some of it's a little bit of a rehash of who he is, but got, you know, the try to show what's going to be different now with him in there versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, some of the play calling, but also show the confidence that his teammates, including Terry McLaurin and Chase Young, have in uh, in this little guy, as Chase Young described for what he thought of Heineke the first time he saw him. Um, and when I did that, um, a, a, a guy I, I know from this media world, Pat Leonard, a Giants reporter, uh, liked the tweet. We follow each other on Twitter and all that. And I thought to myself, you know what? Pat liked my tweet. He's around. Let me see. Could I could I bang out a, t- a podcast right now? I hit Pat up. He responded pretty quickly. Said, yeah, let's do it. We did it. So we just recorded a really quick impromptu uh, conversation about this game. And I think it was actually a really, really fun one. It was uh, maybe because we both we, we knew we had a short time to get into this. And we, we, we attacked a bunch of topics, uh, keys for both teams, Thoughts on where that where things are with Daniel Jones? Why has uh, New York had some success in recent times against Washington? Um, and and Pat goes into where he sees the struggles for New York and why he thinks that Washington can actually w- will will win this game. I don't want to step step on too much, but he he points to a couple specific angles that he sees as very alarming for New York. Um, and of course, I shared my thoughts on Washington as well. So we'll get into all that here in just a moment on the Standing Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you do your podcasting. Uh, you can also, of course, read my work, the Heineke article, and other work over on The Athletic. I, I keep mentioning this 50% um, deal off the subscription rate. I believe it's still going this week, so check that out. I really don't think it's going much longer than this week, but um, what do I know? Um I don't run those kinds of kinds of things, but if you're interested, it is a great time to get in. Just click on one of my articles and subscribe that way. Uh, so, just a couple quick things before we get into this conversation. Um, obviously, um, you know it's a huge um, it's a huge moment here. Taylor Heineke's taking over at center or center. He's taking over under center um, at 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 quarterback. And you know, look, Taylor Heineke has come in. He's played, what, three games for this team. He came in relief of Dwayne Haskins in Week 16 against Carolina. He starts the playoff game, of course, against Tampa Bay. And he comes in last week and replaces Ryan Fitzpatrick. And each time he has come in, he has provided energy. He has moved the ball. He has done some – he's been he's been the improv artist out there. He has done some good things uh, out there. And his and also I think his, his personality, his swagger as William Jackson – said um, in his first, uh, when he got his first taste of Heineke as a player on the field last week, um, that brings confidence to the team. And that's not to be underestimated. They believe that this guy can get it done because clearly Taylor Heineke believes he can get it done. He does not have the deer in the headlights look. And that's important, especially coming now in a short week uh, against a division opponent, national TV. There's a lot there. Um, 
There's also reasons why people have been questioning whether Taylor Heineke is a legitimate starting quarterback, not the biggest guy out there, doesn't have the biggest arm. Um, you know, obviously, question is, can he stay healthy? He talked about that he's worked on his body uh, you know, earlier in the offseason, tried to get a little bit bigger without losing his agility. Um, he said he came out of the game feeling pretty good um, physically. So, you know, good step in the right direction. Um, Ron Rivera talked about, can Taylor Heineke learn to be, has he matured with what he needs to do out there? And, and he is talking about avoiding, you know, running into traffic, you know, avoiding the big hits, knowing when that it isn't just about making that play. You need to be on the field for the next play. And that's going to be huge. Kyle, Kyle Allen will be the backup. Um, Washington did add a, uh, a, a, a practice squad quarterback this week in Kyle uh, Shermer. So they'll, he'll be on the practice squad um, there. Washington did officially put Ryan Fitzpatrick on IR yesterday and, and made Jared uh, put, put Jared Norris uh, on the active roster. They had the linebacker up last week uh, from the practice squad. Now he's just officially on the roster. There is still an open roster spot for what it's worth with Curtis Samuel going on IR. They haven't done anything about that yet. Um, We'll see if they do anything. You know, that's the weird thing, right? I mean, they have two huge injuries with Fitzpatrick and Samuel, and yet have been relatively overall pretty healthy. And so that's the thing. There's no glaring need to have to fill that roster spot this minute. So they haven't they haven't done that. Um, because you're gonna have to release somebody when Samuel comes back, if he comes back, if he's activated um after week three. So big stage for Heineke. Um, you know, I, I still think there's a world where Kyle Allen starts games this year. But it is Heineke's show now, and, you know, again, there's reason to be optimistic. But, I, I, you know, for those of you who think he's the he's the long-term answer, I mean, God bless you. I hope, you know, for everybody's sake, it would be a lot – it would be a fun world if that's the case and we can move on with the conversation about what does Washington do at quarterback. Um, but, you know, the evidence suggests it's not the case, but so what? That's a long-term issue. Right now we're talking about winning this game, and – you know, uh, everybody's making the code red comments. And I put a poll up on Twitter today, kind of joking about that, saying, I don't think people are, you know, are going all in on the code red term. And I don't think they should because it is only week two. But like, you know, maybe there's a different version of red we can consider. Is it serious salmon, concerned coral, uh, <laughs> um, you know, med, med genta, uh, the way uh, uh, 980 uh, producer uh, Ke- Brendan Dar, the producer of the Kevin Sheehan show, uh, said to me on Twitter, um, there's concern because you look at the schedule. I mean, even Ron Rivera and others pointed this out. You're going on the road next week at Buffalo, then then at Atlanta. I know Atlanta didn't look good week one, but it's still a road game. And then that five-game stretch right after that, home to New Orleans, home to Kansas City, at Green Bay, at Denver, by week, Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, it would be, it would look, it would be a lot easier to, uh, for, for Washington if they can win this game. I think there's reason that, to, to think that they will. If nothing else, you know, they're kind of owe the Giants one. That, you know, Daniel Jones has never lost to this team. He's 4-0, which is baffling. He's only won eight games in his whole – or the Giants have only won eight games that he started in his whole career. Um, but, you know, they, they haven't been able to get turnovers um, to him to cough up the ball or, 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 or throw interceptions the way other teams – have uh so we'll have to see what Washington's defense can do there they obviously struggled in the opener against Justin Herbert especially on third downs um but we'll have to see there uh let's see here Antonio Gibson practiced Tuesday he was listed as limited 
for coming out of the game because of the shoulder that he had checked on, but he was um, he was okay there. Um, you know, I've mentioned now. I don't know if I've mentioned it here on the podcast, but I've mentioned it a couple other places, including on the website. I did Lindsay Rhodes's podcast for SiriusXM, and there's a video clip of that she put up online about. I mentioned Cam Sims. Just feels to me like he should be playing more this week. Um, you know, I was a little surprised he only played two snaps. It was obvious watching in training camp that Ryan Fitzpatrick is not throwing the ball his way. He seemed to have a connection with a lot of other guys, never seemed to hook up with, with Cam Sims. And based on that, I wasn't surprised he didn't play a ton. But Taylor Heineke did have a connection with Cam Sims. They connected for seven uh, receptions for over 100 yards against Tampa Bay. Cam Sims' lone catch last week, a 17-yarder, uh, came from Heineke. I would imagine that Cam Sims will play more this week. Um, I haven't heard that, but, I mean, it just seems logical that he would. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that's one adjustment that we could uh, that, that we could see out there. Um, beyond that, you know, look, obviously you just, you know, they have players, the players have to play, notably Chase Young, Montez Sweat in that defensive line, you know, you know, just an abysmal pressure rate this week. They've got to get after Daniel Jones more and that. And in this case, that's how you're going to help him you know, help force him into turnovers. And also this is how this team is going to win. This team is going to go as far as this defense can take them. That was the case even with Fitzpatrick. It's probably the case more without Fitzpatrick forever, however long he's going to be out. I would imagine it's probably at least two months. And then beyond that, we'll just have to see. Um, but okay, um, but that's it for here for me here. Let me get to um, my conversation with Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. Oh, and uh, before I even get into this conversation, um, I had a, 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 I'm not that smart here. I, I didn't have my mic plugged in, so apologies for that. But the sound will get better. So here we go, my conversation with Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News talking Washington Giants week two, right after this. All right, this is the definition of a last second request. I literally just texted our next, or, or, or messaged our next guest a few minutes ago to say, hey, I'm do, I want to do an impromptu podcast about week two Washington against the Giants. And he agreed to, to, to do this. So we got 15 minutes on the clock for a conversation with uh, our friend Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. Sir, I really, again, appreciate the time, and the, especially with the last minute request. How, how are you? Oh, Ben, you got it. Well, you know, just like you, I am just knee deep in prep for the game. So I'm already looking at all the stats, writing my game previews, you know, unpacking what both teams did in week one. So it's already at the forefront of my mind. So talking about it with you for 15 minutes, I mean, that's helping me prepare too. You know? <laughs> well, well, good. Gl- gl- glad, glad if that, if that's true, if I, if I can, if I can help the cause, um, but of course you could follow uh, Pat at, P Leonard N Y D N and obviously he's a great follow uh, not just for this week but for for any for any week about football or the Giants. Um, well, l- l- let's get into this. I'll just say this from a mood perspective. So both teams start off zero and one. I don't know exactly what your expectations were for the Giants this year for Washington. I'm sort of a you know a 500 team with Ryan Fitzpatrick being the ultimate wild card, and now he's out. Now we've got a different version of a wild card in Taylor Heineke, a guy who had a really great playoff game, but, you know, still pretty much of an unknown on a lot of levels. He's now the quarterback for the foreseeable future. They lose the home, the first game at home. The fear of going 0-2 with the first two games at home, followed by road week three at Buffalo and a tough schedule coming up, has people, I won't say freaking out, but has people a little nervous. Uh, 
<laughs> what? Uh, but of course, the Giants have their own issues. Where are you at with 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 the team you cover, and and what's sort of the mood after that first uh, first week? Well, you make a great point there. Where the only optimism for the Giants right now is that again, the NFC East and in the NFC East teams might struggle, right? Like, there's no optimism coming off the Giants' first week in terms of their own performance. It would only be hoping that Washington's, uh, you know, lack of having a franchise QB does them in and that the Eagles are still rebuilding and that uh, the Cowboys can't get it all together. Because when you look at the Giants week one, Ben, um, here's what I would say. My expectations for them were they made they spent over one hundred twenty five million in guarantees in the spring to try to get better. And even though John Mara and Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman all talked about doing a longer term view of this. I think the Giants' expectations and then their fans' expectations after spending all that money on Kenny Galladay, Dory Jackson, re-signing Leonard Williams, signing Kyle Rudolph, suddenly it became, well, wait, you know, we can win some games now, and the NFC East has been down, and we can do this. But my vantage point from the start of the spring to training camp to the end of camp when Dave Gettleman was scrambling, trading for offensive linemen, they just haven't addressed the meaningful glaring issues on their roster personnel wise. And in week one, they also got out coached at the coordinator level by Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio on offense and defense. So the giants of course have had a really good and strong recent history against Washington winning these games. But as you know, they're especially recently going back to last year, they've been close games and they could have gone either way. And so what I would say is, um, yeah, I don't know from your vantage point what Washington's fan base is feeling like, but the Giants fan base, Ben, they are as negative now as I've ever seen them. You know, usually I get trolled for being negative, and now they're telling me to shut up when I post stats because they hate the team so much. So, you know, everything is flipped on its head here in New York. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if you're telling me a New York fan base is pissed off, that is uh... – that, that, that is saying something. I mean, I think here people have been generally optimistic based on how the things ended last season. This roster is loaded with a lot of young talent and, and you know, Chase Young and Terry McLaurin and others. And, you know, Ron Rivera brings a lot of positivity just from his, like, sort of personality. And also, you know, again, he it's different. You know, he, he's a fresh of breath there relative to all the other shenanigans that go on around here and have for years. But, like I said, there's also still a lot of uncertainty. They, you know, they, they won the division last year with a losing record and you know people whether local or national who thought this team could contend in the nfc this year did so based on the uh, on the on the backs of how good this defense is i've said from the mm-hmm. start i think last year's statistical ratings were a lot of times overstated um because washington just it worked out that they faced a lot of backup quarterbacks uh ben DiNucci with, with dallas and they had the, the eagles had backup quarterbacks in the last game and ryan finley and some other guys and those were the games that they really dominated. They also were pretty good in some other games. They also gave up 500 yards to Tom Brady and the Bucks in the playoffs. And that mm-hmm. version of that defense kind of showed up in week one. But this goes to what probably I would say for me is going to be the key matchup of the game. Washington's defensive line was, was pretty muted against the Chargers. The Chargers converted 14 of 19 third down conversions. And it was really 14 of 18. They had a kneel down at the end. Um, they got almost mm-hmm. no pressure on Justin Herbert, who's obviously very good. He's, you know, Daniel Jones is not in that in that stratosphere. But the question is, can their defensive line wake up here? And obviously the Giants offensive line is not a strength of this team. And, and I see what like the Shane Lemieux, right? Is that uh, he's a uh, he's maybe iffy for 
for, yeah. for, for this game, the, the starting guard. So wh- what do you, what's the deal with this offensive line? I mean, obviously it looks like Von Miller had his way the other day, which bodes well perhaps for Chase Young and Montez Sweat, but how concerning is this defensive Washington defensive line versus Giants offensive line matchup? Yeah, extremely concerning, Ben. And you hit it right on the head is that the one of the scary things for the Giants offense and team right now is that their O-line was not horrible in pass protection and wasn't the reason that they lost to Denver, and they still had a horrible game as a team. So now you go up against – and Bradley Chubb didn't play. So now you go into Washington against Chase Young and Montez Sweat and really the whole defensive front, right? Um, you know, looking at that playoff game with the Buccaneers, I was struck by how Jack Del Rio never uh, – he basically just sent Chase – and Montez around the edges and upfield and let Tom Brady step straight up into the pocket and throw the ball the whole game and never adjust it. So the Giants hope should be that he has that vanilla game plan in place again, and that they can just do the same thing every play and ride these guys by Daniel Jones and let Daniel step up in the pocket. Now, as far as if you look at, if they start to change it up, if they start running stunts, if they get more creative with Del Rio's defense, then I think you have a lot of problems with the Giants offensive line because Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, he was better in week one, but he ended the preseason on a horrific note. And he's not even the weakness of the O-line. I mean, you know, three or four days after cutdown day, the Giants either traded for or signed a veteran lineman to help their interior. And it's looking like they're probably, they're going to have a new starting five in week two compared to week one. Like week one, it was Thomas Lemieux, Nick Gates at center, Will Hernandez at right guard and Nate Solder at right tackle. This week, it, we could be looking at Nick Gates possibly kicking out to guard. They have Billy Price, who was a center with the Cincinnati Bengals who didn't work out. So Daniel Jones could even end up having a new center. You also have Ben Bredesen, uh, the second-year pro out of Michigan, who they traded for from Baltimore, who filled in for Lemieux the final, whatever it was, five, six, seven series of last game. But, yeah, I don't expect Lemieux to play. And, um, you know, the, the bigger context for the New York Giants, right, and evaluating them, especially when you look at how that's the biggest advantage possibly for Washington is Dave Gettleman is in year four of trying to fix this line. And there's still it's still a fire drill to assemble the starting five to go up against Washington's potentially best in the NFL defensive front. So that's what the Giants are facing that 14 to 13. Uh, third downs or 14 of 18 third down stat you just gave me on the chargers though that is wow that is alarming yeah no uh bit, 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 big time alarming as is your description of the giants offensive line of washington's group doesn't come out and look closer to the version we all thought that we we're gonna have a lot of questions uh down here um now you mentioned that the giants have done pretty well in recent times against this team. I think what Daniel Jones has eight career wins as a starting quarterback. I know wins is not a quarterback statistic. Somebody will yell that. I hear that, but they've won eight games with him as the starting quarterback and four have come against Washington. He's never lost to them. Uh, I believe, uh, I mean, which is just bizarre. Um, it, it, it could be why I, I seem to have more optimism with Daniel Jones and others, which isn't to say, I think he is, shown he's great I was always comparing him to Dwayne Haskins and based on that because they were in the same draft and based on that comparison it looked to me like Daniel Jones had real traits and Haskins was really struggled throughout and obviously we know what's happened there on the other hand Daniel Jones has clearly not lived up 
to expectations and it seems to be a constant focal point for critics as to why New York is uh, struggles. What, what did he look like in week one and, and what's, what, what's the optimism here for, for him to get things going, not just this week, but, but this season. Well, everyone's down on his week one performance because his biggest play was his worst play. It was a fumble in the red zone and the giants were basically down in the red zone or just outside of it four times and came away with zero points in the game. So it's more of the same, Ben. I mean, Daniel Jones and their offense, even last year, there were times where they were moving the ball pretty well between the 20s, and he locks up in the red zone when the field gets smaller. They can't score. Usually if they do, it's a field goal. They have a lot of trouble down there, um, and he has a lot of trouble down there. But, you know, he delivered a deep pass early on to Darius Slayton to get them to the 30, and then he was outdone by some bad Jason Garrett play calling. Um, the one upside of the Giants offense and Jones's play was that in the second half, Kenny Galladay, who basically wasn't on the field for most of training camp because of a hamstring injury, kind of came alive. And he and Jones, you could see them basically getting their chemistry down in the second half of that game. So if you're a Washington fan looking at what Giants offense is going to try to do in this game, first of all, they couldn't run the ball at all against Denver. So they're going to try to establish that early and often. But Galladay, don't look at Galladay's week one performance as indicative of how little he'll be used, because I think they learned something in the second half of that game, that he's ready, he's healthy, and that Jones knows kind of where to get him the ball and where to trust him. So I would expect them to really test Washington's secondary with Kenny. And you know Galladay, too. He doesn't get a lot of separation, but he goes up and gets the ball, um, and he's going to win contested catches. Um, but I think you, you made a really good point too, talking about Jones barely winning any games, but, and I do agree with you that wins are a quarterback stat to an extent. I mean, there's a lot of context to them, but you know, if a quarterback never wins games, I mean, that's why Pat Shermer got fired here was because Daniel showed a lot of good things, but they lost too many games. Um, but I think you hit on a good thing, which is Washington's quarterback situation just hasn't been settled or strong. And that's part of the reason that Daniel Jones, despite his, uh, flaws has been able to get wins against them and that's I actually have a question for you does did Taylor Heineke and does Taylor Heineke hold the ball um, a fair amount of time in the pocket or does he get rid of it quickly because I asked that because against Denver Teddy Bridgewater and Pat Shermer basically realized that if he held the ball a little bit the Giants pass rush was was getting into the backfield but if he hit his second read and he didn't hold the ball long they just couldn't get to him. So that's why I'm kind of curious because I know Heineke is kind of like a scrambler, likes to extend the play. So like, you know, how much did he hold the ball in week one and how much does he hold the ball? Yeah. I mean, I think like a lot of the guys who, who look to extend the plays, like you mentioned, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll hold it if, if there's nothing right there immediately and, and, and look to make a play. And that's what's so interesting about him. I mean, he is, he is a very fun guy to watch. Um, he's a lot, a lot of improv out there. Um, he, he, he can make, you know, he had a, you know, funky shovel pass to Terry McLaurin the other day. Um, you know, he, he'll, he, he's done some good things in the, you know, limited time he's played, including a couple games in relief and that one memorable start he's played well. And his issue is largely, can he stay healthy, which is something he's, he's in his two career starts. He's got, he's gotten injured in both, in both starts. Um, you know, and, and, and over time, will his style work? We'll have to see on that, but, um, you know, I'm, th th that's why it's like hard to project one way or the other. I don't like 
when I look at Heineke, I don't think of myself, wow, this is the usual, like you go from the starter to the backup and you're screwed. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. was not Aaron Rodgers. He's obviously a very good quarterback and, and he's, you know, been got gotten better throughout his career. Um, and he had, and that experience is huge. He'll, he'll throw the ball up the field way more than they probably will with Heineke. I would expect a lot of short to medium range passes. Um, and, and, mm. and, uh, takes away the sort of the deep ball, even though he, he had a 34 yard pass to McLaurin last week. That was an unbelievable catch by McLaurin that should have been intercepted. That. that was a, yeah, that was a great catch. Wow. Yeah. It was off the charts concentration. Um, so yeah, I mean, with Heineke, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's a lot of, um, drawing plays up in the dirt almost and, and, and seeing how he can, um, how he can kind of figure things, uh, figure things out. Uh, but yeah, obviously I think, you know, I know Leonard Williams is obviously a force Washington's offensive line. It doesn't seem like it's as bad as what you're describing with the giants, but the two tackles had big struggles in the, in the opener. Obviously Joey Bosa is a force mm-hmm. and everybody's going to struggle with him, but you got a rookie right tackle um, on the one side and then the left tackle, Charles Leno gave up the hit, um, gave up the sack on the hit that took Fitzpatrick out. And, you know, I think he's that proven himself quite yet. So that's going to be an interesting matchup um, as well. Um, I I guess it, um, so I guess, I guess I, you know, I don't, it almost doesn't sound like either one of us necessarily wants to pick our team to win. So what, (laughs) but for you, like, what's the, the giants win if like, what's the thing that's got to happen for the giants to get to, to get this win. Well, one more question that's going to inform my prediction too. How much three wide receivers or 11 personnel did Washington run? And and do you expect them to run, especially without Samuel? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, Den- the way Denver and Pat Shermer beat them. So Shermer knows the Giants personnel as well as anybody, right? He's the head coach. And they, they realized, knew, and figured out that if they just spread the Giants out with three wide and a tight end, like Noah Fant, for example, and obviously Logan Thomas is excellent in Washington, you know, Bridgewater, as long as he was getting out a short intermediate throw on time, the Giants don't have the corners in the secondary to defend like a three wide in man to man. Like their slot corner, Darnay Holmes, is just not he's not an NFL starter, but he's starting because their guy they drafted is hurt. So I guess, you know, I think if what my, my answer to you would be, I think the Giants can win if they stop the run. Uh, or rather you forget stopping the run. They did it in the, in week one early on. And it didn't matter. They can win in week one. If they turn Heineke over and if they get to him and if Heineke holds the ball, but if Washington just manages the game and doesn't hold, do, he doesn't hold the ball, try to do too much. Then I think that, you know, Jones is good for a turnover somewhere, even if he's playing pretty well. And I just think the ball security element for Washington and scheming right against the Giants weakness, which is spreading out their secondary in that way that, you know, that's how Washington would win. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up here while we're talking. So Washington ran a, a really low 49 plays, uh, according to uh, uh, mm-hmm. true media web, stat website. I'm using 49 plays yeah. on offense, 32. They use 11 personnel. Um, Terry McLaurin, uh, Deami Brown, their third round pick, and Adam Humphreys were the primary group. Cam Sims, who came on strong at the end of last year and was the leading receiver in the playoff game, only had two snaps. I kind of think he might get more. He's the only tall target they have, and Heineke seemed to have a good feel for him in that game. But yeah, three receiver set is kind of the way they they, they attacked Logan Thomas at tight end is pretty good. I know, I know Noah Fant had a pretty good game against the Giants he last did. week. And what was the deal? Jabril Prepper struggled enough that they actually pulled him a bit. 
Well, yeah, it was a combination of the initial game plan, you know, decreased his role in this, you know, right off the bat. It was more like, okay, we'll play him more against the run than we do against the pass. And that is the kind of player he is. It's kind of like a Landon Collins where, you know, you don't want him in coverage one-on-one, but you do want him down in the box, you know, disrupting and, and uh, making people sorry that they caught the ball. But then he was also, he would come on the field for some of those third downs and fourth downs and Shermer was just going right at him, like throwing, throwing to Fant, throwing to the tight ends. Um, he gave up, I think, four of four targets. I think PFF had him for like 36 yards, but a lot of them were big completions. Um, and that's just the key because he's not a perfect player or anything, but like when he's not, a, he's, he's just got a lot of energy and he's one of the leaders of the D. They just kind of have a different kind of attitude when he's on the field. And I know, you know, I know intangibles only go so far, but for a Giants team right now that is lacking severely in confidence, um, you know, will he, can he guard Logan Thomas every down and what in man? No, but you know, are the Giants best 11 players on defense? Does that include him? Yeah, I think it does. Got it. All right. Well, like I just looked at the, the, the timer here and I, of course, because this is what I do, I've, I've just run past the 15 minutes, but I'm not going <laughs> to keep you any longer than, than, than that. Uh, Pat, man, I really appreciate it, especially considering uh, the last second request again, go follow him on Twitter at P Leonard NY. DN and obviously this is a huge game for both of these teams not saying it's a must win but if you want to, if you have expectations of uh you know winning the yeah. NFC East with a winning record you probably need to win this game and uh and we'll, we'll see what happens um yeah thanks. yeah no hey thanks for having me and uh, you know I won't leave you hanging on the prediction I'll say Washington wins and a combination of the desperation of to win it given their upcoming schedule and the fact that um, not that I think, you know, Ron and the coaching staff are, you know, are, are going to be perfect and completely outcoach the Giants or anything. But I just think that these games have been close. They're kind of due. You know, they were due to win at least one of those last year. And unless they beat themselves, I think they win this game. The, the, the due factor, while that is not exactly analytics or uh, high end thinking, it does kind of feel like it is for what you said. It's been a bit fluky. Um, but. <laughs> You know, I, I, who knows? I, I, I probably would agree with the do with, with the do and go with Washington, but we will see. Um, Pat, man, again, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. You got it, Ben. See you, man. All right, that's it for this episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. I appreciate everybody checking it out. More to come. Um, we'll have we'll have some thoughts after the game. It's a late game Thursday, so realistically, probably not going to post something a new podcast till Friday. But we'll see how that goes, um, and then we'll go from there on to on to Buffalo at that point. But right now, it's all about the NFC East matchup. Washington's only one until December. <laughs> what a weird world uh, that is. But you know, it's been a weird world for the last eighteen or nineteen months. What's what 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 uh, what's a little bit more? Um, that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Stay safe out there. Good luck to everybody Thursday if you're going to the game. Um, Until next time, see ya.